books with Aaron and Polly, and they're amazing friends. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. And we are light one John boy today. Yeah. Now, uh, sorry, Paul. No, you go. No, because your your comment was most definitely probably going to be better than mine. Well, I was just going to say, you know, this has been a couple of times in a row now, you know, over over a six month period of time, as you pointed out earlier, that John has missed the podcast. So now we have moved him off of the triple secret probation and now on to a, a full corrective action. You're on notice, Jonathan. On notice. So, uh, you know, expect that when you come into the office on uh, Tuesday morning that uh, we'll have to have a conference. You'll have to it sit and wake up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what just occurred to me? No new comics till Thursday next week. Oh, I hate that. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. I hate weeks like that. That is a small you know, price to pay for Monday off, let me tell you. <laughs> I used to hate the delay. Now I hate it because I have less days to get them all read before recording. Yeah, that's that's brutal. Oh, well. We'll survive, I guess. Yeah, suck it up, Nancy's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Henry McComics. Yeah, says the guy who reads, like, two books. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, spent- come on, Tim. Twenty-four dollars this week. Nobody can give me any grief this How week. How much of that was on porn? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, it feels like I spent twenty-four on like two books. Every book I got this week was three ninety-nine, just about. Yeah. yeah. The best part of this conversation is the other night Tim and I were talking on Skype, and. He, he revealed to me that he had spent $24 on comic books this week, yet he hadn't revealed that to his wife yet. <laughs> and she was in the room. Nice. <laughs> so you hear this, what, in the background? And he's like, oh. <laughs> wow, he's in trouble for 24 That's a regular or a light week. Yeah. This was a $40 week. Yeah. yeah. I was I was right there with you, Wayne. I got nothing to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I got to say, and, and we'll get into it, but, uh, you know, some of my uh, my books this week were kind of crap. And, yeah, I was uh, kind of pissed. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to cut some things loose based on, on what I read because I was profoundly unhappy with a couple of things. I had eight books, and we're only talking about three or four of them. That gives you an idea of uh, – how meh this week was. Yeah. I mean, this was also the week that almost everything that I get that's not Marvel or DC came out. Yeah. All of my, I have a dynamite book, a boom book, a dark horse book, top cow. And you know what? You need to drop some titles because starting in a couple of months, boom's going to be publishing a chip and Dale rescue Rangers ongoing. (laughs) And I know you're on board for that. Oh my God. Huh? We Tim, test, I think we're buying it. Tim, I think yeah. you and I will be able to sit that one out, right? Right. We'll be in the over 13 section. While you guys <laughs> yeah. Tim and I get to go behind that curtain, you know, at the comic shop where, where the grown-ups <laughs> go. Where it's just a stack of Angelus number five. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sweet, sweet Angelus <laughs> number five. I've had to have the pages laminated. <laughs> <laughs> Is so sweeter, and they said the L word. Exactly. Exactly. Tinder, tender-hearted lesbians. <laughs> you know, uh, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of lesbians, um, as a follow-up to last week's uh, conversation about my checking account number, which is out on Twitter if you check it out. Um, <laughs> I, so I called after the, the show, and it turns out someone used my checking account number to sign up for hardporn.com. Excellent. And, and you know what's sad about it is I have never heard of that site. And it's kind of obvious, if you think about it in retrospect, that there would be a site with that name. But uh, now I'm a member, but I wasn't previously. No, I'm just kidding. Huh. And uh, <laughs> and your was, credit card paid for it twice. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then there was like adultmovienetwork.com. I'm like, wow. You couldn't even sign up for something good that I could use the membership on. Hard something creative. Hard. I like it. Bang bus. <laughs> Next time you're going to steal my checking account number, sign up for Bang Bus, please. Well, you know, you have to support quality. Well, I'll tell you what, Paul. Unfreeze it, and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> I, you guys look out for me and my hard-earned porn cash. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. you know, I'll buy two things for me, and I'll get you what you want. Yeah. Well, since I had no money in my account this week, I had to use my credit card to buy this week's comic books. Ugh. You know, Paul, you're looking at this as people, someone stole your account, when in reality, this is our intervention in the kind of porn that you're watching. We think you should watch a higher quality of porn, something a little more savory and something that doesn't make Aaron throw up when he thinks about it. Yeah. Something <laughs> Looking out production for you. values that isn't filmed in someone's basement. Something that's not going to get the cops circling the block looking <laughs> for the IP. Yeah, Paul. Actually, I think they're outside right now. I may have to go in a minute. <laughs> If you don't hear from me after about five minutes into the show. Podcasting live from the back of the cruiser. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I need to take my laptop with me. Come on. If Tim can record in a car, you can too. That's right. But they don't have Wi-Fi in their cars. That's what they should do. To make criminals more comfortable, they should have Wi-Fi in their cars, in their cruisers. And baristas. <laughs> and taco stands. <laughs> Taco. <laughs> I want a taco, coffee, and some Wi-Fi, please. <laughs> With my burglary chart. <laughs> I have no idea how to segue this into Superman, the last family of Krypton, but uh, there you go. <laughs> so speaking of porn, Aaron stared at this woman's ass again. <laughs> I'd buy that with Paul's money. So, uh, Superman, The Last Family of Krypton, number two, uh, came out this week. Uh, this book continues to rock. I, I really, really enjoy this book. The, uh, the, the thing that's kind of a mystery to me in this book is, or up until the, the end of this book, was where the conflict was coming from. Because really the conflict was more of a family dynamic. There, there hadn't really been any super battles. It was a lot of uh, relationship sort of drama between... Uh, you know, uh, Kal-El and Jor-El and, and you know, the, the, the differing uh, pressures that the uh, Earth culture versus uh, Kryptonian culture. Um, but this one is, is really kind of developing nicely, and it saddens me that it's only a three-issue series. Uh, this, this issue being number two um, really kind of set, sets up where we're going and who the villains are for the big, the big end for number three. Um, and the villains are actually humans, uh, a, a, a cultist group called doomsday that, 
are opposed to the uh, Kryptonian uh, culture and influence on Earth society. Um, it's really a, a, a different spin, and I'm, I'm, I'm digging it rather a lot. Um, we get to see more of Kal-El's younger brother and sister, the twins. Um, we find out that because they were born on Earth and uh, subject to certain impurities in Earth's environment, they're only about half as super as uh, Kal-El and his parents. And so there's there's a little bit of a jealousy thing going on between uh, Superman's baby brother and himself because you know baby brother feels only half as super and half as special. And so he, he uh, you can tell that there's going to be a, a throwdown between the two of them. Uh, I'm digging it. It's a great book. Big thumbs up. I'm really looking forward to this coming out in trade because it sounds very good. But I missed the first issue and – well, it is really very good. I, I am enjoying it a lot. And you know, things that you kind of expect in a Superman book—they're—they're they're not bringing out. They're surprising you by going a different different way. Um, I am not real familiar with the writer on this series, Carrie Bates, but wow, he is writing a bang up story that I am—I am thoroughly digging, it and I can't wait for it to come out collected. Well. I think rather than picking it up in three, four ninety nine issues, I'm just going to wait for the nineteen ninety nine trade. No, I think that's the way to go. Uh, yeah, honestly, I mean, if if I wasn't so jazzed about it, I would have just waited for the trade. But I, I I just cannot express how happy I am with this book. I wish that my my uh, monthly Superman title was as good as this book because you know. Hmm. The, the the regular Superman book sucks so hard, <laughs> so it's it's nice to get some actual Superman. You know who's not afraid to fly? Yeah, that'd be nice. But we're not buying and that book anymore anyway. This is an actual Superman book, whereas what Straczynski's writing is Superior Man, and I'm not interested in that title anymore. A lot of books this week were three ninety nine. In fact, I think I only picked up one two ninety nine book this week, mm-hmm. and that was Red Hood: The Lost Days number four. Now, a couple of us read this book. What did you guys think? I loved it. I'm still continuing to love this story. You know, I'm kind of bumming on it. I think I think my problem is is that when I heard about this miniseries, I thought it was going to be something different. This seems to be this. What I'm getting the impression is is that the end of this miniseries is going to have uh, Jason Todd like leave for Gotham. He's, it's not going to be what I was hoping would be a, a little bit of the before and a little bit of the during his interactions with um, you know, Bruce and, and Dick. That's kind of what I was hoping this, this series would be. And now that I see it, it continues to drag out the, the, or, the, the more of the origin stuff, which it does say Lost Days, so that makes sense. I'm starting to think that this wasn't what I – it's not meaning what I thought it was going to be. Which doesn't mean it's a bad book, but yeah. it means that it's not the story I wanted. The solicitations were all pretty clear that this was the time between when she dunks him in the uh, the Lazarus pit and when he shows up in Gotham. I mean, that is the story this tells. Those are the lost days. Well, I don't read solicitations. Ooh, face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you know I enjoy this series. I wouldn't say I love it, but I am enjoying it. You know, for. I, I'm I'm much less patient with shitty books nowadays, and uh, the fact that I've bought all four issues of this so far, uh, you know, goes to show that I have to be enjoying it at least somewhat. You know, I'm curious to see where it ends, and I'm curious to see if you know if it does well, are they going to do another Red Hood series? You know, because um, the character I think isn't in the, any of the Bat books right now. 
I think he's been in prison since uh, Batman and Robin, like, number six or something. Yeah, and I think the character at this point in his life is more interesting than he is after he dons the Red Hood. I am really liking how he discovers everything. Like when Talia gives him the pictures of the new Robin, and he's dealing with the fact that there's a new Robin. I got a kick out of that. You got a kick out of his heartbreak, did you, Wayne? Yeah. Like, look at him crying like a baby. That's right. Yeah, but it's been two issues of, here's somebody to train you. Oh, this guy's a dickhole. Oh, now he's dead. Oh, here's a new dickhole to kill. But first, got to learn from the dickhole. I, I don't know. I don't think the word dickhole should be allowed on the <laughs> podcast anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please be a little uncomfortable. All right, asshat. Is that better? That's a little better. All right. You know, and Talia calls him on that. I mean, she calls him on that he's basically learning and then killing all of his trainers. But the type of people that can train him and the things that he wants to be trained in are bad guys. I mean, it's showing that he's not completely gone from the hero side. He still wants to be a good guy. He just wants to kill people while he's being a good guy. Oh, no, and I totally get that. And when in that explanation, when he's she's like, and what about this guy and this guy? And he's like, yep, took care of that business. That was the appropriate way to handle it. I don't know if I need two issues to see specifically how he's doing it. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just being negative about it. No, I mean I see both sides of the you know I see both points here because I, I do agree that maybe and maybe that's why I'm not overjoyed about this issue, is because it really is very similar to the last issue. You know, and I'm, I'm hoping issue five and six are something a little different because I, I don't know if I want two more issues of the same story. We get it. He's he's bad, but he's kind of good. But we kind of got that before we even started reading the series. So, I mean, I, I do see that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm on board for the next two issues, and I am enjoying it. But, uh, you know, I, I do hope for something a little different in the next two issues. But if one hired killer isn't enough, you can always read another about another hired killer. That was a shitty transition. Well, but, you know, anyway. he, he's also bad, but kind of good in this book. Yeah, which kind of surprised me. Uh, yeah. We're talking about Taskmaster number one from Marvel Comics. Uh, I'm just going to go on out there and say I absolutely loved this book. I I, I, I was all over this. Uh, I have one minor complaint about it, but I thought everything worked in this book. I have a major complaint. It was sold out at my store, and I didn't realize it came out this week until you guys started talking about it. I'm That's sorry. my major complaint. I'm sorry. I wanted this book, too. I'm glad to hear it's at least good. Now, uh, spoiler warnings on. Every time everyone else on the podcast enjoys a book, <laughs> Wayne didn't pick it up because the store was sold out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say I enjoyed it. Oh. What? Timmy? Let's hear Tim's thoughts. The art was scuzzy. Is, oh, that, the, is, that, is that a word? It looked very much Marvel Knights-ish, and I was like, ugh. I, I, I like did not the, dig it. I like the gritty style of the artwork. I thought it served the story really well. I did too. And this is Jeff T. Paolo, who did uh, Dr. Voodoo, the, yeah. that series as well. It's very moody, a lot of atmosphere to it. And, and, and I understand what Tim's saying, um, but I, I thought that the darkness to, to the artwork really drove the story forward in terms of what Taskmaster is experiencing right now. Uh, I, I, I thought it worked. I thought it, I thought it served the story well. The story in this book has Taskmaster under suspicion by the org uh, of having turned state's evidence uh, 
and, and you know ratting out a bunch of folks. So uh, a huge bounty has been put on his head, and everybody in the world is out to get him. Uh, in fact, they, they give you a whole list. Cyber Ninjas, Black Choppers, Secret Empire, Trenchcoat Mafia, Legions of the Living Lightning, Militiamen, and Sons of the Serpent are all gunning for our friend, the Taskmaster. And the thing that's really kind of amusing about it is that Taskmaster trained all of these guys. And so um, a lot of the dialogue in the book is between Taskmaster and one of the agents of Hydra that he mentored. And what's really amusing is the 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 guy from Hydra is like you know man I you know I'm I'm here I want I want to take you down I want to give you the respect of you know taking you down in your costume so he's providing Taskmaster with his uh, his Taskmaster uh, outfit and he's like you know I want you I want you to die in your boots because you know you were so you meant so much to me in fact do you remember the time and he relays this whole story to Taskmaster and Taskmaster is like yeah no sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I really enjoyed this book, but my only complaint—that's really not a complaint. It's my only—the only thing that caused me a problem is I felt like I missed a story somewhere. Um, apparently, there—it felt like there was a story told between this and the end of Siege about Taskmaster. Is there something out there that I missed? And there was. Yeah, yeah that Age of Heroes miniseries um, that none of us thought it was an anthology series. Yeah. So there, there was, was actually a, a something master story in there. There was actually something important in there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, I didn't read that. Yeah, I, I didn't either. But after reading this, I was like, oh, I guess I should have read that. And I still followed it along fine. Mm-hmm. I just think I would have followed it along better had I read that Age of Heroes. Yeah, because I mean, apparently there's something wrong with his memory, and you know, I I, I I I gather that something happened in that in in whatever story that was, and it's carried forward. But you know, it didn't hurt that much. It didn't hurt the story that much. Um, it worked for me. I, did anybody else feel like the when uh, in the scene in which the Inquisition appears? Did those guys look like they were curiously short? I thought they were midgets. I thought so too. But then yeah. in other panels, they look regular sized. <laughs> But that one page, I was like... I was really hoping they were all from Seville. <laughs> so they could have been the Spanish Inquisition. Very nice. Because that would have been even funnier. Well, because no one suspects them. But no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I Tim, I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it. I thought this book rocked. I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I have to say, I, I really... I, I love the book, too. And I, I think that it may go more towards the writing than the art. And I enjoyed the art. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I really liked the way Fred Van Linty wrote the book. Yes. Um, you know, there was a lot of fun to it, a lot of great banter. I like how they um, – when he, and during the actual fight, they reference all the moves that he's doing yeah. and, who they ta- and who he taught them to. Mm-hmm. I thought that was – or who he learned them from. Excuse me. Right. I thought that was really cool. And I even liked the little uh, backup, which go, which went over all the uh, – the people who are attacking him and their first appearances. I thought that was cool too. Oh, I was going to say maybe it's because I read one book in particular this week that uh, got me agitated that I'm viewing some of these guys with negative lights. But yeah, Uh-oh. I just didn't dig the art. But if you guys liked it, you know, maybe it's worth another issue. Now, uh, Tim, I'm dying to know. You know, you didn't care for the art mm-hmm. in uh, Taskmaster number one. Tell me about Thor for Asgard number one. Oh, it was very pretty. <laughs> it was. It was. It, I. I don't remember seeing art like this. It was. It was. It was. It was just popped off the pages. Every, yeah. every scene, even scenes that weren't 
like major scenes, you know, it's only a quarter of a page or whatever. All of it was treated like it was a, a one-page panel. Yeah. Yeah, the the artwork in this book is just spectacular. It is it is so hang it on your wall worthy. <laughs> I, I you're right. Every single page is well crafted, and it, it's just artwork and and beautiful. And I I, I, I absolutely love this book uh, visually. So, what did you guys think of the story? I had concerns with the story. How so? Uh, the the whole premise of the story um and i could put on a spoiler warning but it happens in the first five pages is that thor and his group of merry men or whatever thor and the asgardians are attacking these frost giants who use innocent people as shields and rather than try to figure out a way to not harm them uh the asgardians kill all the innocent women and children to get to the frost giants and I, I like my Thor a little more super heroic than <laughs> than uh, than fantasy. You know, I, I like more of the superhero based Thor. You know, that deals with Donald Blake and Earth and stuff like that. Than I like like the epic Lord of the Rings type Thor stories. You know, I'm completely with you, Paul, and that's one of the reasons I didn't get the book. I looked at it; it looked pretty, but I do prefer Thor in our world versus the all the Asgard stuff. So, what, I mean, whatever. The dude's a Viking. <laughs> he, he subscribes to the he subscribes to the U.S. government theory. We don't negotiate with terrorists. I thought that was a little hardcore, but I I kind of agree with his methodology I mean, and his thinking there. In that, uh, you know, if they had let that slide, you'd see this everywhere. But and, I I would have to say the Punisher would have found a way around it. Just saying, well, the Punisher and, would not have killed the women and children. Maybe those women and children had it coming. <laughs> I mean, if they were so innocent, what were they doing hanging out with the Frost Giants? If they were so innocent, what were they doing in Jotunheim to begin with? Yeah, there's no innocence here. Well, and I don't really think – I don't really get the feeling the Asgardians killed them. I think that the the battle between the Asgardians and the Frost Giants with all the, the squishies in between, they all just sort of died. <laughs> so you got to lay some blame on some stupid giants too. That's right. That's right. But, but you know, I, I do think that it's in, in, intentionally metaphorical with – I think it's a political commentary. You know what we're doing in the Middle East and whatnot. I think there there is a connection that's being made there. Plus, I also think that th- this story is going to be a journey of of Thor being a typical Viking, right, and growing into something more heroic, so that he's worthy of the hammer. Because that's what this story is about. You know, we see those scenes at the end of the book where he's not worthy to hold Mjolnir yet. You know. So um, I, I think that's the journey. This is his starting point, and we're going to see how he moves along from there. Um, you know, speaking of metaphors, totally, totally, what, Mjolnir or whatever you want to call it, Thor's hammer. Uh-huh. I am totally thinking it's metaphorical for his penis in this book. <laughs> on the cover, on the very cover, the hammer is between his legs. Uh-huh. When he's trying to pull it, it's between his legs, and the shots. Are intentional. Look right after he's when he's gasping and wiping his brow uh-huh. after trying to lift the hammer. It is right where his penis is. <laughs> I, I think it's metaphorical. I, I totally do. I think Thor can't get it up, and this is how Thor got his groove back. Paul is all about. You know what surprised me about the book? <laughs> <laughs> what surprised you about the book, Tim? I, 
him and Sif in bed. actually like Sif. I, well, even the scenes before when she berated Kier, I'm like, that that's that's the coolest that character's been ever. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> so I, I was pretty happy about that. You know, Thor and Sif have been romancing for for you know decades in this title, and I'm trying to remember a time where you've seen him in bed before. I mean, there's always been kind of you know the fade to black kind of uh, of scenes, but I, I don't recall ever seeing a scene like this between Thor and Sif. To be uh, to be honest, this is a Marvel Knights. Um, it's not heavily promoted as such, but Marvel Knots is a little bit more mature. It's not the right. max line, but it's kind of like the in-between. Um, so, you know, th- this is a, a little bit of a different Thor than you're going to see in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I didn't dislike the book. I just prefer a different type of Thor story. But honestly, we're not getting that much in the regular Thor books either. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're getting the this Norse Thor, you know, the, the, the epic fantasy Thor. We're not getting much of the superhero Thor pretty much anywhere right now. I disagree. I disagree. Uh, Thor the Mighty Avenger is 100% superhero Thor. Out of the books that everyone reads, <laughs> that the important people read... I'm sure they're getting it in the Marvel Adventures Thor too, but I don't read that. There's always the Avengers where Thor's in it, but no one's going to read that book anymore either. Yeah, fuck. You that. can't tell it's Thor. It looks like it looks goddamn Napoleon Dynamite with a hammer. <laughs> <sighs> it's kick-ass. <laughs> well, I just find it um, interesting that um, Thor is better in every book except his main title. And I'm hoping that changes yeah. when uh, when the creative team switches over, but I don't have a lot of faith in that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Now, if the creative team involved Greg Pak and Fred Van Linty, writers of Heroic Age, Prince of Power, I'd be on board. Yeah. Because I like Thor in these books. Um, so, were we done with Thor for Asgard? We can move right on over to your Prince of Power. Yeah, so I didn't read this book last week because I forgot to pick it up. But uh, Prince of Power number four came out last week, and um, I have to say, I enjoyed it, but I'm a little disappointed in it as well. I was disappointed in the ending. I liked everything yeah. up until the way it wrapped up. I am when I buy a miniseries when I when I get a four of four miniseries, I expect the damn thing to wrap up. Yeah. You know, there that, was no ending. No, it's just it, it might as well be a maxi series because it flows right into Chaos War, and I, I, it, it frustrates me that you know you sell me a a miniseries and you know that, that that's nice. You're going to be able to bookend your story, you know, and so all we did is chase uh, artifacts to bring Hercules back. You get a snapshot of Hercules at the very end of the book, and he's like, "Oops, got to go." Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I have enjoyed this story, but very annoyed at the way it wrapped up. I feel the same way. I, I, I loved the series literally into the last three pages or so. Yeah. Um, it's just it feels like, hey, you know, there is no ending to this. You know, if I pick this up in trade, I'd be furious. Yeah, because it's it's not a complete story. It's literally like the first chapter yeah. of a story. And I get that there are series that do that, but they at least wrap up some of their storylines. And this one didn't. Well, and, and they it didn't need to. It didn't need to do it at all. Would it have been that big a deal for Amadeus to open up the portal to Hercules and have Hercules step through, and then have a buddy, you know, a buddy cop moment, and that would be the end of the book, and they could promote the Chaos Wars a different way? Yeah. Yeah. Would that have been horrible? No. no. It'd have been exactly what we wanted out of this miniseries. I agree. Exactly. 
I agree. You know, if, the, if Hercules had literally just walked out, saw his friend, and they hugged, and that was the last shot, yeah, done. You know, to be you know, and then they said to be continued in Chaos War. But it's because he came out and said, "Oh shit, gotta go. Something's coming." Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, where was the ending there? There, and even the main storyline with the, um, what is the name of that group? The Pantheon. Um, the Pantheon. The Pantheon didn't yeah. really wrap up. You know, not satisfactorily. I have to say, I never really felt like the Pantheon was in the book. You know, I mean, you had the you had this new character, you know, Loki's son. I never really felt like the Pantheon that we knew in the Hulk books was actually present in this story. Yeah, I mean, they had the freckle girl with the bow and arrow. She was in this book. It just, I don't remember I, her name. I just never really felt their their presence. I, I, it never, I never felt like they captured the cool of that organization. It just seemed like you have, you know, and I can't even remember the character's name. That's how much of an impression this Loki's son made on me. But uh, it, it just, I just never felt Kelly like... Kelly Halfling. Thank you. Um, it just, he never, he was the bad guy, and he was certainly present. But he, the Pantheon just never felt like it was a part of that. I just thought that was that was a fail. The thing that I liked about the book is I liked that it resolved the issue between uh, Amadeus and his girlfriend. You know, because I do like that story, and I'm glad to see that that went to to a, to a happier place than it's been. But other than that, I was I was so disappointed in the ending. I think it's kind of colored my uh, interpretation of the entire series. I'll agree with that. I don't know. I don't like feeling forced to buy Chaos War. Especially since um, I don't have it on me, but I got a little postcard with my comic purchases this week. Yeah. You know, and Chaos War is another one of those freaking things that has a billion tie-ins. Yeah, I'm not going to – as um, much as much as I like Hercules and as much as I like Amadeus Cho, I'm not picking up another series. I mean, I, I, I will talk about it when we get to Shadowland, but uh, I'm, I'm about event done. You know, I, I, there's only so yeah. many of these we can do, and we're just in perpetual events. You know, I, th- I thought we were going to get away from some of this in Heroic Age. I thought we were going to have some more, you know, uh, series. We're going to have story arcs that were confined to their titles. And I'm just really frustrated with all of the one freaking event after another in Marvel Comics. Um, you know, we just wrapped up Fall of the Hulks. And in fact, you know, uh, Incredible Hulk number 612 came out this week, um, which I picked up so that, uh, you know, I could see where this is going. While I'm intrigued by some of the stuff in this book, you know, I look at all the the crap that's going on with the Hulk. I I, I can't say that I'm, I'm jazzed about it. Well, and that's one thing I can give World War Hulks. There were there were two tie in miniseries. Um, there were the Hulked Out Heroes. Oh, no, there were more. Actually, another thing about it, there was Red Hulk miniseries and She-Hulk miniseries. And so, I mean, I, I will say I enjoyed World War Hulks. Um, so I was psyched um, with The Incredible Hulks, 612, um, which came out this week. It's the first part of the Dark Sun storyline, which I think is bi-weekly, if I remember correctly. Um, but I have to say, this is different than what I expected. Um coming into the series so aaron you said you did you enjoy the book or or not there were things i liked about the book but i I really i guess my problem is um i don't care for a well-adjusted bruce banner 
<laughs> you know, I don't care for a confident, healthy, planning for his future Bruce Banner. I prefer a Bruce Banner who is horribly emotionally scarred and wounded and, you know, is working on how he's being hunted and yada yada. I don't care for all this Banner tech nonsense. I, I just, it's an incarnation of Bruce Banner that I do not care for. I also don't care for all of the gamma irradiated characters in the book. That said, I really liked Planet Hulk, and I like the uh, space stories that have spun out of that. So I, I dug the stuff that was happening with you know his unknown other son. I thought that was a great story, and, and I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, but I'm I'm not real encouraged by what's going on with all the Hulks on Earth. And uh, I have to say, that's one thing that kind of surprised me about the book. And I, I have a hard time expressing my feelings about this because I was looking forward to it. Use your words, Paul. Use your words. I'll, I'll see what I can do. And and there were two stories. Um, and, you know, there have been for the last couple of issues, but I've always kind of read the main feature, which was the Hulks on Earth, and skipped over the co-feature, which was the son of Hulk out in space, Hiro Kala. In, in this book, because it was half the damn book, I decided to read it. And I have to say, I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the first feature, yeah, which was same the here. Hulks on Earth. I, th- I, I, I liked it. I you know, it was a nice jumping back on point for me because, you know, they did kind of explain where he was coming from. I have to admit, you know, because I wasn't reading the Hulk books and I was seeing the Son of Hulk stuff, I was like, no, he doesn't look anything like, you know, Scar. What? <laughs> so I found that really confusing. I didn't realize that there were two of them until this book. It's it's not hard. It's not hard for me to express my feelings on this book. Uh Oh, tell us, Tim. There. That's me ripping up friggin' Incredible Hulk 612. <laughs> I am so mad. You're gonna charge. You're gonna seriously charge me four nine three ninety nine for fifteen pages of the actual story, and it's gonna be biweekly. So let's do the math, kids. That's eight dollars for a thirty-two page book. Kiss my butt, okay? I hated this book. The art was pretty. I, I looked at that first page and I said, you know what? If Jonathan Landreth actually was still reading this, he would have had kittens watching the Hulks have a friggin' picnic together. I, <laughs> I I was hoping I was hoping to see Bruce Banner and Scar, and that was it in this book. I really was, and that would have been a cool story if it was the whole book. And now, and you know what? Honestly, Aaron, the backup feature I did read, um, and I, I thought it was it was okay. It was it was a, it was an interesting tale, mm-hmm. but there's no way in heck that I'm paying this kind of money for a, for a, for a twice a month for this book. You know, I'm just twice. shaking my head hearing all of this about how bad it sounds. I this mean, I slipped through it in the store, and I, I'm looking at all these Hulks, and it's like that's my issue right now. There's too many freaking Hulks, and now there's apparently a new Hulk child. Yeah. Oh, and let me let me let me say this too. It this is twice now Hulks has done this to me. With World War Hulk Zero and Incredible Hulk Six Twelve, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up Hulk Six. I'm gonna pick up Hulk. What is it? Twenty five when it comes out, because if all it does is focus on the Red Hulk, it might be a good story. But secretly, deep inside my heart, I know it's gonna let me down, and I'm gonna say, Strike Three Hulks, you're 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 fucking out. I hated this book with everything I have, and it took four dollars. It took four dollars back, and I want it back. So. If anyone wants Tim's torn up copy of Incredible Hulk's number 612, <laughs> leave a comment in the talk back of this episode. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't feel as strongly about it as Tim, clearly. But uh, 
I, I see where he's coming from. I mean, it's it's a frustrating it's a frustrating kind of book. And you know, when I picked it up, when I got to the end of the first story, I was like, "Crap!" I didn't realize it was going to be an anthology. Unfortunately, it was only two stories. You know, I see where he's coming from because it it it's a little frustrating. And that was uh, one thing I wanted to say about that first story is it does feel like a story that you're likely to read in an anthology. It was a done in one moral tale. Betty's PMSing or whatever, you know, it was like, it didn't feel like it was actually, there was a story there. You know, know, nothing new was established in those pages. It was short, so nothing new could be established. It just, you know, this, I don't know if I'm going to pick up the next issue. I know I was really psyched for it. It's sad to say I'm more psyched about the Red Hulk book written by Jeff Parker than I am about the Green Hulk book, but I, I might be. Paul, if you pick up if you pick up Hulk six thirteen, you're off my friends list on Facebook. <laughs> you know, I, I think you know what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Tim's wife finding out that you know as much as he spent this week, he just ripped up one of the books. <laughs> I'll be sure. I'll tell her that. it was a moral choice that had to be done. It I'll must be destroyed. I, I think the big problem for me with the uh, main feature of this book is that there's so many frickin' gamma irradiated characters that this feels like an issue of Superman family rather than the Hulk. And I think that what we have gotten away from in the Hulk story is a kind of a, a core concept around the character. You know, the Hulk is alone. The Hulk wants to be left alone. And now he's got all of these people to be alone with. I dislike it. I dislike it rather a lot. Well, on the bright side of things, Tim has at least one more book that he hasn't torn up yet. <laughs> yet. We haven't started talking about it. Uh, one Month to Live number one came out this week, uh, written by Rick Remender and featuring a cycling team of writers. Uh, Tim, what did you think? Well, uh, as you could probably tell from listening to the show, I've been pretty down on just about every damn comic book I've bought this week. And so I picked this up because it sounded very interesting when I heard somebody uh, talk about it in one of our interviews. And um, the story, the storyline is that, um, well, the general storyline was there's a guy who finds out he only has one month to live, but he has superpowers, and he goes through dealing with what he's going to do with the time he has left. Um, what what I didn't know originally was um, the guy. Uh, he he Dennis has a uh, has a job where he he works for corporate America and he he has to go down and tell you know this this uh, children's hospital that they're yanking funding and there's a big scene well it, Dennis is already hating his job and he's considering quitting but he's got to support his family when um, crap goes down um, he gets medical waste dumped on him and um, that leads to um, the cancer that he already had, which he didn't know about, being um, advanced. Uh, and luckily for him, he got Reed Richards to tell him that pro bono, which is kind of cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, um, and it, it just basically deals with Dennis and his wife and um, his niece, uh, who is staying with them because the the um, – you know, Dennis's sister and uh, brother-in-law were killed in a car accident. So, um, you know, he's already got kind of a family that's on edge. So he doesn't tell them about this one month to live thing. 
but uh, in the end, uh, it, it's a very touching story, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin it. But I will say this: it's it's the bo- it's my book of the week. It's easily my book of the week, and I haven't been um, this jazzed about a concept in a long time. Wow. Hey, positive words. I'm not used to hearing that from Tim. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Don't don't think that Tim's a happy camper. We'll get to Shadowland three in a minute. <laughs> there is there is plenty more of uh, the Hulk Tim coming. Yeah, Ragey Red Tim. But before we talk about would that, that ma- would that make him rim? Rim. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> or Tulk. <laughs> I like that better. I think I'm going to go with Rem. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of good books, Wade and I are still reading Marvel Universe versus The Punisher, which seems to come out like every other week. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy how quickly this mini's coming out. Now, I have something to say that's concerning me. I read an article the other day that said Marvel Universe versus The Punisher is setting up some very exciting things for us. Um, and I don't remember who in Marvel said it. It was probably Joe Quesada. And that kind of concerned me. That concerns me a lot. I mean, we saw what happened with Marvel Zombies. It was an interesting concept. They got done to death to the point you were sick of seeing them. Well, and like what we just complained about with Prince of Power. You know, when we get to issue four of this series, are we going to get an ending? You know, or is it going to say to be continued in Marvel Universe versus Deadpool or something, you know? Yeah, I also have the concern of... They don't seem to have strict rules about how this disease works. I mean, they're turned cannibal, but they do still have the ability to reason, to form groups, to come up with plans. They don't. It seemed like in the first issue they were a lot more mindlessly eating people. And as the series goes on, there seems to be a lot more planning, a lot more organization to it. And it's getting kind of uh, it's getting kind of confusing as to. What really pushed these people over the edge? Yeah, what about the disease does this? Yeah, they, they they seem a lot more civil in this issue. You know, whereas in the first issue it was like Marvel Universe, Marvel Marvel Universe done crossed. Um, now it seems a little less like that. Now it seems like they actually, you know, have attachments. And um, Spider Man in this uh, book, who who is the the initial patient zero, I think they call him. Um, hires the Punisher to save a pregnant Mary Jane from the Kingpin. And I'm thinking, well, does he really care? I mean, why does, you know, if you can form the basis for love, can't you form the basis of right versus wrong? Yeah, I mean, he chose not to eat her and chose to impregnate her when not eating her. I mean, if he can choose that, why can't he choose to not eat other people? Yeah, so, I mean, there were there were some discrepancies. And don't get me wrong, it's still a good book. But uh, I, I feel like there are some gaps in the logic of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I hope, I really hope, you know, the series started so strong. I hope it doesn't fall apart in this fourth, in the upcoming fourth issue. You know, and I love seeing how the uh, how the battles actually happen. We saw Red Hulk fighting Iron Man here, and we see Iron Man's armor seizing up, and basically he just dies in his armor because he can't move. Things like that are kind of cool where we actually get a, a view back on how this happened. Because it's maybe Punisher versus the Marvel Universe now, but he didn't take everyone out. They took each other out. He just survived. 
Yeah, I love how mean-spirited some of the uh, the deaths are, like Invisible Woman with her kids and, of course, Iron Man. You know, it's like they don't die peacefully in their sleep or anything like that. You know, they choke their kids and, you know, stab each other to death and all sorts of crazy stuff. So it's, I mean, it's really mean-spirited. Um, you know, so, but I, I think I enjoyed that piece of it, which is we got a lot of in the first two issues. I enjoy that piece of it almost more than I enjoy the present day storyline. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I keep looking through, and all the stuff I remember from the book are these flashbacks. The flashbacks are really cool. So that concerns me because I'm assuming issue four will probably not be flashback based. Maybe a little bit because it's hard to tell at the end of the book if Kingpin is crossed or not. I'm going to refer to them as the crossed because that's what they are. Oh, I think he's clearly crossed. If you look at him, he's got, you know, bigger teeth on the bottom of his mouth. He's wearing a necklace of bones. Yeah. I think he, he's definitely crossed. You think so? Yeah. And I think we'll get to see his flashbacks of how he came came into power and came to have Sauron, Multiple Man, Iceman, and Black Widow, or no, Lady Deathstrike, all obeying him. Yeah. And, you know, the question is, is Mary Jane crossed? Because she doesn't look crossed. She just and Punisher says... Yeah, Punisher says she's not. Oh, that's true. So, and you know, so maybe the issues that we have with the discrepancies and characterization will be resolved um, in the next issue. Hard to say. Uh, I hope they are because the series is, ha- has really done some some fun things, and I've I've really enjoyed it. So I hope I hope I can come out of it saying that it was a great miniseries and not well, it started good, but it ended up shitty. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. And uh, speaking of things that started off strong and cool. start to get shitty, yeah. uh, that brings us to our Shadowland update. Um, Shadowland number three came out this week, um, and uh, it sucked. Yes. Yes, it sure did. It sucked I'm hard. actually shocked to hear everyone say that, except for the end, which did suck pretty hard. I enjoyed it right up to the end. It was only the last couple pages that I disliked. Well, I so I, so Paul and Aaron think it sucked. Wayne liked it. So for me to be contrarian, I gotta say it's mediocre. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I felt. Like I have a little kung fu hamster that plays kung fu fighting, and I played it for like <laughs> the first five pages. Um, but honestly, I didn't have. As, it sounds like I didn't have as big a problem with it as Aaron and Paul did. So why don't you guys rage on? Yeah, I, I want to hear brothers. what you hated about it. Well, you know, for me, for an event book, for uh, for a book that warrants, um, I don't know, what are we looking at? Thirty titles between yeah. July and November, thirty books coming out related to Shadowland. For an event that large, this issue seemed like nothing important happened. Um, you know, and, and you know, for for an event book, something important should happen in every issue. And literally, this book just seemed like there are a couple fighting pages. Punisher shows up, and he's not Frankencastle, mind you. Yes. Um, yeah, look at how pink and healthy Punish- Punisher is. I, I, don't get me wrong. I think the Frankencastle stuff ends this month. So I get it. This takes place after that. Well, but, but you know, take a look at you know what happens in this book. You have the big fight, fight throwdown, you know, where Daredevil's like, kill him, kill them all. They cut back, and, you know, there's our, there's our heroes sitting around conferencing. And who's in the room? Well, Colleen Wing, who apparently has not yet gone over to visit Daredevil and set up the nail, which means that she goes and visits Daredevil after he's already tried to kill her. I hadn't thought about that either. 
Yeah, and, and so it's either horribly out of continuity or it makes no sense. You tell me. See, <laughs> I'm not reading any of the tie-ins, and I thought a ton of things happened in this book. Ghost Rider's messing stuff up. You're seeing that Daredevil has some sort of new powers. His powers are definitely amped because he's avoiding, you know, he's basically taking everyone out, out fighting Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. He, he's able to dodge Spider-Man's uh, webbing. You see Punisher finally show up and rescue everyone, having no idea how he came to be involved with all of that. You have uh, Typhoid Mary showing up and suddenly being a player in this thing. For someone not reading the tie-ins, a ton of stuff happened. Elektra shows up. They do, the, you know, he's talking about bringing uh, Bullseye back from the dead, which is the part that I really disliked about this. Yeah, I but, second that. Yeah, a lot of stuff happened in this book, and maybe you guys aren't thinking that much happened because you got it all in the tie-ins. For someone not reading the tie-ins, this definitely wasn't a book that nothing happened in. This really progressed the story for me. And you know what, Wayne? You missed the best part. When Shang-Chi's being all emo, I'm not yeah. master kung fu anymore. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Shang-Chi. <laughs> I, you know, this book just seemed like a lot of blue balls to me. It seemed like like a like a lot of dry humping for no payoff. You know, Ghost Rider shows up. Oh, Ghost Rider was hired by the Kingpin to kill Daredevil. He shows up, throws around a couple of ninjas, and then leaves. Oh, he didn't take out Daredevil. Isn't that what the Kingpin hired him for? Yeah. You know, it seemed like you know. And then there was a fight. Oh, there's this big fight. Okay, time to go because Punisher's here. You know, oh, we were trying to save you, Matt, but you know, since you're being a dick, we're just going to leave you be. We're not going to keep trying. Um, you know, well, I think at that point he's kicking their asses. They're retreating. They got beat. But did he kick their asses? Yes. I didn't get that impression though. Spider-Man was taken out by Typhoid Mary. Daredevil single-handedly beat Shang-Chi to the ground. He beat Iron Fist to the ground. He was kicking their asses. The only one who didn't have his ass kicked was Luke Cage because he's not really on any of these pages except for standing there looking like Luke Cage. Yeah, but then Punisher showed up and shot everybody. So that turned the tide of the battle. So go back to fighting. I, well, I just I, I felt I, like there wasn't enough payoff in this issue. I agree. And I have to say, I'm out. I'm out. I, I'm just I, – I'm sick of the event book. You know, I'm sick of – you know, I think this is unnecessarily – 30 issues of tie-in. Um, I, I'd like, I need, I need Marvel to be tighter on their events. I am so sick of being pulled out of the story. When I look at some glaring issue of either continuity or something that just doesn't make sense. I am sick. Uh, I completely agree with you. That's why I'm not buying any of the tie-ins. I'm getting the main storyline and I'm really enjoying it. And I think the tie-ins, because Marvel tie-ins are horribly out of continuity, typically not very good. Yeah. That's what's killing the story for you guys. I think if you were just buying the main title, you might have a different opinion about it. Yeah, I know I'm not, I'm not Man, I'm not buying any of the tie-ins and I, I'm more towards Wayne's side, so So that's it, we pick sides then. It's us versus what? them. Yeah, whose side are you on? This sounds like a cage match to me. This sounds like I mean, mutiny. <laughs> I couldn't buy all, I couldn't buy all those tie-ins anyway because Paul put a hold on his card. Yeah, fucker, Paul. 
Yeah. So I will I will point out if this is a cage match, I've got the guy with actual wrestling experience on my side. <laughs> this is true. This true. is true. But I've got the claw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I have batterings. <laughs> and a they were a Christmas gift from my wife two years ago. Wayne's awkward confessions. <laughs> oh, there's nothing awkward about that. You know you're jealous. Your wife never bought you razor sharp batterings. With good she'd, pr- she'd probably throw them at me. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> you spent twenty four dollars on comic books. Damn. <laughs> okay, so uh, you know a mixed review for Shadowland, and I'm out. I'm not. I'm not reading any more Shadowland. But I think an event book that uh, at least Paul is happy with is Curse of the Mutants. Yeah, and uh, you know, last week I, I shocked I shocked the world um, by saying that uh, Storm and Gambit was my book of the week. This week. Uh, Curse of the Mutants, Smoke and Blood is my book of the week. Or Blood and Smoke? No, Smoke and Blood. How, is it uh, Bloody Smoke? It's Bloody Smoky Smoke. Blood? Smoky Blood. Book of the Week. <laughs> this book was awesome. Um, so in uh, X-Men number two, Wolverine, Colossus, and S- Storm, uh, with the help of Blade, capture a vampire and bring him to um, Utopia where he's going to be experimented on by Dr. Nemesis and the X-Men science team uh, to kind of determine you know, if there's a way to reverse the virus. So in this book, this book is done almost like Alien, I guess, on, on X-Men Island, um, where uh, the, the science team is captured, is trapped in the lab with uh, the vampire who has escaped. Um, and this book was, was awesome. This book was absolutely awesome. the The art was not necessarily my favorite, and if you're not if you're like Jonathan, Jonathan would hate the art in this. It's not very super heroic. It's more done like a um, almost like a Thirty Days of Night type art. Um, so if you're not a fan of that type of art, you're not going to like this. But the the writing was fantastic. You get a couple of great banter sessions between Nemesis and uh, Emma Frost. I mean that that are priceless. I mean absolutely priceless. Um, I, I'm going to just reference a, uh, a, a comment that he makes. And, uh, you know, uh, apparently Cyclops is, is off, you know, looking for, for vampires. And uh, Emma Frost has been tasked with uh, keeping an eye on Nemesis and, and getting updates on their, on their experiments. And uh, Nemesis goes, I had no idea complex ribonucleic interactions are one of your specialist subjects. Bedroom ceilings of the world. Now that I could imagine, I guess you had to be there. I thought it was funny, and I, I be, and he he makes all these comments about Emma Frost being a whore and a slut and blah blah blah. I mean, not in those words, but I mean, just great stuff. I mean, I I haven't been familiar with the Nemesis character at all, but he's the main guy in this. And I I think he's awesome. His character really had me laughing throughout the entire book, um, and I, I highly recommend it. You know, Curse of the Mutants. You know, there have been um, a couple of books out. You know, there there have been X Men one, two, three, and there have been some tie-ins. And I will have to say, I haven't had the continuity issues that I'm having with uh, Shadowland. And uh, you know, I, I'm tired of all these damn events. But this one seems to be done right. 
um, almost like Second Coming with how happy we were with Second Coming. This, you know, the, the Curse of the Mutants, I'm really enjoying, and I, I've enjoyed almost every single one of the tie-ins. And in fact, I haven't hated any of the tie-ins, but there are some I've enjoyed less than the others. But this is definitely on the top of the list. Smoke and Blood, number one, or one shot. Definitely loved it. But if you've got event fatigue and you're looking for something a little more independent, uh, we, we've, we have our indie spotlight this week for you. Starting off with Mouse Guard, Legends of the Guard, number three. Now, Aaron seemed to have some strong feelings about this book before the uh, the show, so I'm going to leave it to him to, to talk about. Well, you know, I have loved and have extolled the virtues of Legends of the Guard uh, one of one and two. Uh, I, I just it, it, they they have been just fantastic books, and so I guess we were due we were due for a st- steaming pile of crap. Um, I hated this book. There is nothing in here that I enjoyed. Um, well, I should take that back. I did. I, I, I love the cover, and I like the uh, transition pages uh, done by uh, um, uh, Peterson. Thank you. <laughs> um, David Peterson's transition pages are terrific. But I got to tell you, I, I, I knew when I flipped the first page and I got to Katie Cook's story, uh, A Mouse Named Fox, I knew I wasn't going to be happy because I did not like the style of the artwork. Uh, and it's a it's a big darn story for this anthology book. I, I, I disliked it rather a lot, such that I was unable to read the story. Um, I, I really, really disliked it. I, I kind of eh, – I, I, I could accept the Guy Davis artwork on the critic because it was a little bit more in keeping in the style of Mouse Guard. But even that didn't do it for me. I just – I got to say none of the art in this book – was worth a damn except for the Raven story um, by uh, Jason Sean Alexander, which, while very pretty, didn't give me anything that you don't get out of reading Edgar Allan Poe. I just thought this book was a big, big miss. And uh, I'll have to agree. It seems like this book, it, it was kind of weird, but this seemed like the kid's book of yes. the four issues. Yeah. You know, because all the stories were family friendly. You know, you had a. Um, you know, a wordless story, almost something like Sergio Aragones would do mm-hmm. uh, in The Critic. You had the Katie Cook story, which was definitely more kid-based, almost like a, uh, a fable. Um, you had The Ballad of Nettledown, which was a, uh, a story about a mouse who swallowed an entire river to save his town. And then you had The, the Raven, um, which, you know, yeah, it was pretty, but it, it wasn't – it only was coherent because I'm a, I know the story. Yeah. Otherwise, this was – I mean it would be incoherent to, to understand what was going on here. And the Raven – I mean the, the images are very striking in the Raven, and I don't want to diminish any part of the artwork in that story. But the story itself, what what was the point? I, 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 I read it, and I was like, am I missing something? I just – I didn't see a point to it. Yeah, so this this book was kind of a, kind of a misstep. Yeah. And had they – interspersed some of the great stories of the others um you know because yeah. it seemed like the first two books we loved almost every story yes absolutely you know, they, they should have mixed it up a little bit it seemed like the intention of this book was to go with family-friendly stories i mean there there wasn't a single dead mouse in this book well and i, I think there are clearly some stories that should have been left out i think the katie cook story and i'm not trying to hate on katie cook i, I think she's a terrific artist she's not the artist for mouse guard though and I mean, it just it looked terrible when you're expecting something in in the in the realm of of Dave Peterson. 
I, I just I hated it. I hated it with everything I had. And I'm so disappointed to say it. It was a colossal disappointment for me this week. Because, you know, I have I have read and reread the prior two issues because I just enjoyed them that much. They were just that darn good. And I this thing sucked. Uh, I'll agree. Yeah. But you know what book didn't disappoint me this week? Angelus number five. Angelus number five. With that hot, hot lesbian loving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I read books with actual nudity, and I've never seen anything like this in a comic book before. Wow, those those pages kind of left me speechless at the time. The uh, something about this painted artwork and the little beads of sweat and wow. So Wayne liked it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm spent. now he's tired he needs a nap we talk a lot about this issue with uh, ron mars in an interview that we held last week that will drop this wednesday but i gotta tell you i I said it i said it to to ron and and i'll say it again uh stapon sayich's artwork is on fire in this book i mean he's just he's just firing on all cylinders The, the 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 artwork is stunning yeah. And we've talked to, to Ron Mars um, a little bit about some of the missteps that uh, Sage has had in, in recent months because you know his art hasn't been um, as good as this recently. And apparently there were some health issues involved. Uh, but this issue was gorgeous all around. You know, lesbian sex excluded. It was still a beautiful book. Um, but if you include those pages, which is, I mean, literally about half of the issue. Um, well, maybe not. Yeah, about a quarter of the issue is, is this uh, lovemaking scene. Um, I, I, I guess I should have saved my book of the week for this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, no, I, you probably shouldn't have. <laughs> Tim, uh, did you not care for Angelus number five? No. Really? What? Yeah. Um. What? What has Top Cow been trying to get away from in their in their history? A lot of people that read Top Cow in the past said, oh, it's just a TNA book. I don't want to read it for its story. You have great stories with Magdalene and Velocity, both characters that are very visually pretty. The art's great. They're strong female characters. And then you've got half a page of lesbian love scene or half a book of lesbian love scene. Now really? we do, but it served a purpose, and that's why it's yeah. different. Before, it was just there to be pretty. In this case, when you're looking through it, it's a very sensual, very touching scene. It's showing that these two are in love, which builds up to what happens after that and builds up to the last issue. It's not something that was just thrown in there to be TNA. It is part of the story, and it's investing you in their relationship so you can see how angry she's going to get when you know her girlfriend is attacked. Well, here's here's my thing, and, and I don't dis- I don't disagree with your point. If if I had if I had a history of robbing banks for the fun of it, and then three years later I decided to rob a bank because I was broke, even though I had, there was a reason to rob a bank, you would still point to oh he's back to doing as usual. That's kind of how I felt about this book, and I don't disagree with what you're saying, Wayne. There's there's definitely a story reason to do this, and I don't disagree with Aaron and Paul that the art was good. But when I read this, honestly, my reaction was, why are you trying to reverse ground on some of the good things that you've done with some of your other books? And I I think it's a fair point, Tim. And we did talk to Ron Mars about that. And for his response, 
you have to listen to the interview. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, and this is one thing I've always talked about with Top Cow is I like the mature way in which they show relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, like Thor had sex in it. Thor for Asgard had sex in it, but it was, you know, it was like you see the kiss and then you see them in bed the next day right. or the next morning. You know, whereas, I mean, yeah, I mean, do you need to see the sex for, for it to, to make an impact? Not necessarily, but in this situation, and not just because it was super, super hot, um, I, I felt like, you know, the Danny and Finch thing has been building up for, for a while now, for over a year since uh, um, she first appeared in uh, the pages of Witchblade. And so, you know, this felt like a worthy payoff for the buildup of that relationship and, you know, a mature way of showing it, you know. I, yeah. I don't know. I didn't mind it as as much as you did, Tim. And it, it wasn't see. gratuitous at all. It was very sensual. It was, like I said, it was in there for a purpose, and that's why I had no problem with it. It really did, you know, make you feel for these two characters. You know, make invest you more in their relationship than I had been before. Yeah, I agree. It, I, it helped me get. I would consider. I would consider five pages gratuitous. Well, I, it, it, Tim, it really helped me get in touch with my inner lesbian. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I'm right there with you, Wayne. I think that this was this was a story driven moment, and uh, I, 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 at first blush, I, I was right there with Tim, thinking, "Well, you know, you know, Top Cow's trying to get away from this kind of thing." But then, you know, when you think about it in context of the story they're telling. It was a story moment. This was important for the characters and very important for the next issues going. Yeah. I mean, when I first heard about it, I was afraid it was going to be one of those gratuitous things like they used to have. Or, like I said, I read other books where they do have gratuitous things. You're flipping through an issue of The Boys and you may find someone bending someone over a counter and this shows everything. I mean, that is gratuitous. This wasn't. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I Licking thighs notwithstanding... I thought this was a good book. <laughs> no, we don't agree. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> but also out from Pop Cow is The Darkness, Four Horsemen, uh, number one, uh, first of a four-issue miniseries. I think it's four issues, um, written by David Hine. And a couple of us gave this book a shot. Uh, I don't think it came out this week. I think it came out last week. Um but I have to say, um, I, I read the, the preview copy that Top Cow sent us, and I enjoyed it so much that I sent a link out to the guys to, to see who would be interested in reading it. Now, Tim, you read it, right? Yeah, I, I, did, I, did, I did read it. And what'd you think? Um, I thought it was a solid book. Um, this is my first uh, introduction to this character, and um, I'm going to be honest, I there's not a whole lot there to, to um, like about this guy from this one from this one book. You know, he's a mobster. He summons de- you know dark demons. I'm like, okay, guy's clearly not a not a nice guy. Um, but I really thought it was cool to see the four horsemen riding around like on like bikers. I thought that was a cool idea. So I I, I enjoyed it. What do you think, Paul? You know, I uh, I really dug it. Um, you know, and I'm familiar with the Darkness character. I've been reading Darkness for a while now. So, um, you know, for those who aren't familiar with him, he's not the most likable character in the world, to be honest with you. He he is, you know, he used to be a mafia hitman. You know, he he still got ties to the mafia, and he 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 doesn't always do the right thing. He 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 can be kind of a bastard. 
Um, so you know th- this book, uh, your your impression of him is is correct. He, he's not the most likable character in the world, um, but I think that's one of the things that makes him interesting. And what I really enjoyed about this book, uh, in addition to the story, which I thought was pretty interesting, was the art. Uh, the art reminded me a lot of um, Ryan Otley's art from Invincible. It, you know, with the, with some of the gross-out moments of the book, it, it seemed like the way Ryan Otley would draw them. And it's I was an really art reference I actually get this time. <laughs> it's what I don't agree with at all, though. Really, I I, I yeah. totally think when you get to some of the some of the gore stuff, it looks like Ryan Otley. No, Ryan Otley has a way of drawing the gore, but still making it very clean cut to the point that it just. There's an interesting contrast there. This just looked like gore to me. I. I didn't get that at all. It, well, what'd you think of the book? Uh, well, preface this with I am not a fan of the darkness. It's one of the few books at Top Cow that I typically don't enjoy because I just don't like the character. I didn't hate the book, but I definitely don't have the same love to share of it that you did. There's a lot of violence in it, which some of it's good. Some of it seemed a little gratuitous. I see where the story is going, and I'm probably going to keep reading it. But it's just, I don't like the, the character of the darkness. So I think that as this miniseries goes on, I'll probably like it less and less as he gets more involved. But really, he, was, he wasn't he was a major part of this this issue. He was in it very little. Well, that's a bummer. I, obviously, I steered you guys wrong into a book that you didn't necessarily enjoy. But I dug it. I, I really dug it. But I am a darkness fan, and I do read the darkness, uh, darkness, the darkness monthly. So I, I, I actually rather enjoyed the book. And, uh, you know, the, the Four Horsemen on Bikers, this isn't the first time I've seen it. Um, seen, I know I've seen... Seen the idea, you mean? Yeah, seen the idea as the Four Horsemen as bikers. Well, there, uh, there was the lone biker of the apocalypse in Raising Arizona. No, I'm thinking... Um, <laughs> I think nice in 1984 a, reference here. Anytime. Yeah, because her womb was a barren and rocky place where my seed could find no purchase. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was – did any of you watch that – the Night Stalker series? Oh, no, Paul. We're on Raising Arizona now. Ah. We've transitioned. (laughs) (laughs) It's important to review Nicolas Cage films. (laughs) It's important to review Nicolas Cage films from, from the 80s. Yeah, we're not that's allowed what, to do this when Jonathan's here. That's what this podcast has, has become. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Kojak. Whatever. No, not Kolchak. Actually, the Night Stalker series uh, from 2005 that had Stuart Townsend oh. as Kolchak. Yeah. Uh, I think the yeah, first were portrayed as bikers in that series, too. I think. So this isn't the first time I've seen the idea, but I kind of like the idea. And I like the way they were portrayed in this. Their take on hunger was interesting. Making the guy eat someone else's face. That's always pleasant. I mean, I've never done it, but uh, I- I'm sure to try it after reading this comic book. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I like the, I like the, I like the biker gang angle, and I thought that was interesting. But I guess I'll, you know, I'll definitely, I'll definitely read the next one with you, Paul. But I'm kind of worried about this, the, the fact that yeah, this guy's not really, he's more of an anti-hero. Yeah, and he, he really is. Which is why I thought he'd be up your alley. I thought you liked anti-heroes. I do, but I don't like summoning or possession. Ah, gotcha. 
<laughs> you definitely won't like this guy then. But uh, so that does it for this week's releases. But a ton of great stuff is coming out next week to to break your bank. Not really. Really, I have two Spider-Man books coming out next week because of some shipping error. We get uh, the conclusion of One Moment in Time as well as the first part of Origin of the Species both next week. Well, you know, I'm only getting uh, uh, I got exactly one DC book this week, and next week I'm getting two. Uh, the only th- the only two things that are coming out from DC next week that I'm interested in are, are Green Lantern 57 and Justice League Generation Lost. Uh, I've dropped Booster Gold, so I won't be picking up that, and you know I'm not reading any of the bat crap that's currently being published. So, Red Robin is not bat crap, sir. That I- is true. <laughs> <laughs> Guano. <laughs> I'm sorry, the bat guano. I apologize. I didn't use the appropriate term, Tim. I didn't mean to offend your delicate girl-like sensibilities. <laughs> so, Aaron, you're not going to rush out and get Robot Fighter? Uh, I am not. I am not. That's the that's the Dark House uh, Dark Dark Horse book from Jim Shooter, right? Yep. Yeah. No. Ah, not that. not based on the free comic book day uh, issue that I read. They did themselves no favors with that free comic book day book. Yeah. Same here. I was looking forward to both that and Solar. And after that free comic book day book, I'm not picking either of the new ones up. But you don't think there's some good stuff coming out next week? We've got Green Lantern, New Avengers. No. I, I, what I was saying is that there's not a lot from DC next week. Oh, well, I got a couple of Bat books that you don't read. Batman and Batman and Robin. Yeah, the, the Guano family. I got gotcha. Um <laughs> But, you know, uh, uh, the first issue of Dakin Dark Wolverine comes out next week, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I read the preview of Batgirl, and I'm thinking about picking it up. Oh, Wayne, we, uh, I, we you sent you to a 12-step program, Wayne. <laughs> it's I'm a backwards slide, I know. The preview Step looks one. really good, though. Wayne, if you buy it, I'll buy it. What are you doing, Paul? You're facilitating. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, it looks good, this issue. Oh, It Paul. does. The preview looked really good. Paul. If either of you guys buy it, I'm punching in the face. But it has Bat- Supergirl and Batgirl, and it, they said <laughs> in an issue reminiscent okay. of Angelus number five. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, suddenly I'm interested. <laughs> okay, it's Terror in the Third Dimension. Starring yeah. Batgirl, Supergirl, and Dracula. And Dracula? <laughs> yeah. No. No, this sounds... The sound- cover wasn't what looked good. It was the preview. I read the uh, one of the solicits that was like four or five pages worth, and it was looked really good again, so... Yeah, no. Yeah. I will give it a shot with you, Wayne. All right. Uh, that gives me three DC books next week. Red Robin, Justice League Lost, and Batgirl. Well, let me so tell you what I'm Red Robin and the two Bat books. Oh, and Green Lantern. I am excited that I won't be picking up uh, Daredevil next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does that mean it's, I was right? It it does. Um, Sweet. Uh, Marvel has Invaders number one coming out, in which the Invaders is set in uh, modern times, and I would totally pick that up. With, because it's it's uh, being co-written by Christus Gage, except that it's also being co-written by uh, uh, Alex Ross, who, while I love his artwork, I cannot abide his writing. Um, and so I, I, I am not picking up Invaders, despite how gooey awesome it looks. This will be the first week I don't get Invincible Iron Man after last month's continuation of nothing. 
Avengers number four. Woohoo! I'm excited whoa, about that. Whoa, whoa. New, new Avengers number four. Hey, look, uh, Shadowland, Shadowland Bullseye went to a second printing. <laughs> um, Thanos Imperative number four comes out this week. Thor 614 comes out this week. And Thor the Mighty Avenger number four comes out this week. So here's the question. Are we picking up Thor 614? Is are. that the new storyline or is that the end of the old storyline? It's the, the end of the hell yeah. storyline. Because I'm going to start. I'm going to give it a chance once the new storyline starts. I just I dropped off after the second issue of the Hell storyline. Yeah, understand it. I just uh, there has been enough there for me to enjoy that I'm going to pick it up. Well, and X Men number three comes out, continuing Curse of the Vampires. You, Paul. Yeah, uh, I know. I am the only one on the podcast reading the only good X Men book. I haven't dropped it yet. Oh, that's right. Wayne does read it. I don't glow about it because it's not very good, but I haven't dropped it yet. Whatever, Wayne. You need to give me a, a pass because I'm buying fucking Batgirl for you. <laughs> I, do, I do owe you a pass. It is I totally quid pro quo. <laughs> uh, you know, a whole lot of Marvel books to talk about next week. Not a whole lot of DC. And not a lot of independent books either. Uh, well, you know, and it's hard to tell because independent books, you know, ship irregularly. Yeah, the only non-Marvel DC that I'm seeing for me is Irredeemable. And we never talk about that. All right, so here's my question on Irredeemable or Incorruptible. Yeah. Wayner. What about Irregardless? Yeah, Irregardless. (laughs) Irrelevant? (laughs) That's how I say Irregardless around me, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Incorruptible. I read the first trade, and I loved it. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, it, it only collects the first four issues, which kind of pissed me off because <laughs> I, I hate it when I pay $17 for four comic books. That's what Boom but, does. Yeah. Yeah. Should I be reading this on a monthly basis or do you think it would read better as trades? I'm reading it in trades. I've not read any floppies of it. I'm reading both this and, Irre- and Irredeemable on a monthly basis. I am enjoying this far more than I'm enjoying Irredeemable at this point. So I'm thinking about you know going to trades for Irredeemable. But I'm going to keep getting this on a monthly basis because it's been consistently good. Hmm. And also, I don't know if you uh, if you got it. The a while back before incorrupt before incorruptible started, there was a irredeemable special that was a bunch of mini you know, just short stories put together, and one of them tells the story of how he ended up with jailbait. Ah, it's I have her, not read her that. origin story, and it was it was the best story in that book, I thought, and that was before I had, knew anything about Incorruptible because the issue hadn't come out yet. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I uh, I'm not looking forward to adding another monthly book to my pull list, but I, I really loved this book. Um, and I do want to say, uh, and I said this on Twitter, fans of this book would love Incognito uh, from Marvel Comics similar ideas. Um, actually, I, I think I like Incognito a little better. Uh, but I, 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 so I, I really enjoy that, that type of story. I just, I don't know. Another monthly book. Is it two ninety nine or three ninety nine? Let's see. I think it's it is three ninety. Yeah, it's three ninety nine. Ah, bastards. All right. Well, uh, we'll see. If see- I drop something, I'll think about it. 
I enjoyed Incognito, but I definitely enjoy Incorruptible much more than I did Incognito. Partially because I like the art a lot better in Incorruptible. I don't like the stylized art as much that you know that Incognito yeah. used. But Wayne, Wayne liked In Vitro too, so <laughs> Andy, regardless. <laughs> Inconceivable. This is a fun game. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, I hope you go out there and have a laborious Labor Day. No, I'm uh, going to have a lack of laborious Labor Day. Yeah. Same here. Ha- well, in, in, in keeping with uh, Angelus number five, perhaps a labious Labor Day. If we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> You're We're all buried for now. All right. Well, you guys Thanks, have a good podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 